This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And welcome into another holiday edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle, along with two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig. Happy holidays again, my friend. How are you? Uh, you know, it's the day after a not-so-good loss, but everything considered, uh, really good. Uh, the uh, We knew that the winning streak was not going to continue from now until the end of 82 games. So um, I think it'll just come down to the way that they lost versus that they lost. Yeah, I think the emphasis after the game, Craig, was on energy um, and probably a little bit worn down with, you know, I mean, winning's great, but still they've played a lot of games recently, so that might have been it. But uh, I did like how the players after the game were culpable in that they were talking and had an emphasis on we need to be better on five on five defense. Uh, yeah, that that's an understatement. And, you know, I, I don't, frankly, I don't use the playing a lot. I mean, if you look at some of the other teams in the league and you look at their schedule, I mean, it hasn't been three games in four nights. I mean, that's coming up, but it's been pretty good. Um, you know, they've got two, three games, uh, fewer played games than, than some other teams, which is good news. Um, you know, you, <clears throat> you look at that as a positive that, you know, you're a couple points behind this team or tied with this team and you got a couple games in hand. Um, to me, let me, uh, here, let me ask you a question. If you're sitting in Vegas mm-hmm. today and you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive to Dallas in general, what direction do you go? Just in directions, which way do you head? I am going to go southeast. Okay, you're going to head east, right? Yes. And if you're in Dallas and you're heading to Vegas, you're going west. Yes. That was the biggest problem for the Dallas Stars last night. I look at their structure, and there were two things. Vegas went east-west all night long. They went from one side of the ice to the other side of the ice, and that's how they they transported the puck tonight. And for a team – that I think you'd have to say one of their strengths is that they play well without the puck. And that doesn't mean just defending all the time. They go and get it back, but they're always in, or not always, but they're generally in the right positions that you can't play East West because when you are, you know, not are, not only are you chasing the puck back and forth across the ice, instead of trying to keep it on one side and clogging things up, once it gets into the offensive zone, your goaltender's, one of the things you don't want to do as a defender is have your goaltender have to go from post to post to make saves. You try to keep it on half the ice. And um, there was way too much of that going on last night. And, um, you know, and they end up chasing the game. So I I look at that and, you know, again, it's one game out of eight. 
that it, it it didn't work out. And you know, you you I heard, or I guess I said I, I should have said there, there's a lot of comments saying they're a good team. They're a good team. Yeah, they're a good team, but you know, we didn't play well against a good team. I mean, they they were outshot for the most part. I felt they were outshot two to one all night long. Um, you know, on a plus side, they got they got three power play goals. Uh, two of them right off of face-offs, which more teams are doing now in the NHL. You win a draw and, and you try to get the puck up to the net right away because it just makes sense because if you lose a face-off from the defending team that's killing the penalty, they've got to get out. And so they're coming out of positions and there should be more time and opportunity to get in front of the goaltender, which happened last night. I mean, that's a bonus. Um, you know, and then you'll, at some point, you're probably going to look at the, the play that should have made it a five-goal game for the Dallas Stars and you know that that goal and and right at right when that happened when when Tyler Sagan got that opportunity and and basically shot it through the crease out the other side I I immediately went oh no and and because that I mean I don't know what the time was left in there was there four five or uh, eight ten yeah not much at all yeah wherever it was that five two is different than sure obviously four two but then you go to a minute later and then they score and so now you know there you go and you and then you're in the opponent's building you know so not not does vegas <laughs> not not do they, they need any reason to get excited in their building but i i believe that any team and i think especially vegas they they really they are the 12th man if you're talking football and, and so i i think they've got a great crowd um entertainment capital of the world and and they entertain and, and their fans come there and you know they're they're walking the streets all day long drinking so they're in a good mood when they get there regardless and <laughs> you know so they're 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 going to be excited and and that's a bonus i mean to have a team like that and and if you listen to the game as it's going along even when they're down by a couple goals uh from a fan standpoint they're still in it they're still they still have belief yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I give them a lot of credit. Uh, they put a lot of pressure on early years of management. We talked about this on, on last week's show about how management has kind of overhauled this team in many ways, kept some of its core, but got rid of uh, others, some team leaders, because they just want to get to that next level and get a cup. And the urgency is uh, certainly there. You know, I mean, you you were so, you know, you're you're – I mean, you're absolutely correct, um, and you mentioned, you know, as far as east to west, one of the other aspects was the ease in which Vegas could get out of their own zone. I just felt as though during this winning streak, the Stars did such a good job of putting pressure and deep on the forecheck and creating turnovers, and they were just so much more aggressive, and I just, you know, felt as though Vegas uh, had a much easier time getting out of their zone last night. Yeah, and that's true. And I, and I, but I do think you have to give Vegas credit because yeah. they're, they move the puck so quick. And, and what happens is, and it kind of, it's a philosophy of penalty killing. Your, your penalty kill, you always want to be aggressive. In your zone, if you, can, if you can go and you can arrive at the same time that somebody's passing a puck to the next player and, and kind of overman them with numbers, you, you kind of keep them off balance. And, and you want to pressure all over the ice. And that's the way to get the puck, throw it down the ice, kill off 10, 15 seconds. And, um, but what you say when you're penalty killing is if you start arriving and you're trying to play a pressure kind of uh, kill and you're arriving, but the puck is leaving by the time you get there, 
Now what you have to do is all four guys got to come back. We set up in our box or triangle, however they want to formulate their, their PK. And then let's wait for the next opportunity to go a bouncing puck. A guy's got his back to you. So you just can't chase because you're, you're, you're arriving and it's leaving. And, and I think that's what was happening a bit to the stars last night when Vegas was breaking out. I mean, they have good exits. And if you notice, they, they do a lot of flipping pucks to the, to the neutral zone. Their defenseman will just get it and lob it into the neutral zone. And it creates foot races, all the open ice for teams that pressure. If you're that opponent and you've got a team that's playing against you, that pressures, you're saying all the open is open ice is behind their defenseman. So however we can do that and create foot races, and they've got some guys that can skate. And so I think that's what was happening. And then once they loosen that up, and you're like, okay, we're arriving. They're flipping the puck over our head. Now you sit back a little bit waiting for that. Next thing you know, now they start passing the puck. And that's where they were able to go east-west all night. And the other area that I thought it, it was probably, and again, this has, I mean, you got to give Vegas credit. Um, but but in the offensive zone, to me, there were the Vegas offensive zone, Dallas's zone, there was a lot of standing around. When Vegas got the puck and they were going high to low, their forwards get it down by the goal line. They, they kick it back out to the defenseman because, you know, you, you, you sink down. And I think Dallas was sinking down a little too low in their own zone. Everything kind of started from the points. The points had the puck a lot for the defenseman for Vegas. They were able to make another pass. They were able to, to get the puck, walk a little bit to the line, get somebody out of position. And as a forward trying to cover that, you have to start chasing to the middle of the ice and get into a shooting lane. And now all of a sudden they kick it back to the wall. So there was a lot of running around going on. And again, let, let's you know like I said earlier th this was one game so there's no panic that's going to set in but you know <clears throat> it was interesting to me last night too um when you look at the when they pulled the goaltender who was on the ice maybe more importantly who wasn't on the ice and, and maybe that's just saying the way that it's going I mean there was no Jamie Benn and there was no Tyler Sagan yeah um but the Pavelski line has has been their line right and, and I don't know uh you know I would have thought maybe my first instinct was where's Jamie I wasn't thinking Tyler so much, but I was thinking Jamie. And I think of Jamie because if there's an area that he's been really good this year, uh, including face-off circles, but is in front of the net. Yeah. And Jamie is a guy that once he gets there, you will watch opposing defensemen play in front of him versus trying to get into a battle to try to move him. And I think when you're six on five, six on four, whatever it is, you need net presence. And and that was a that was really that was the the result in and Robin Leonard getting pulled last night. It wasn't that Leonard was bad. It was a great move by, by coaching staff to move him and just change the momentum. Um, but the Robertson goal, I don't think he saw that puck. Uh, the Pavelski goal, the two power play goals, he didn't have a chance on that one. His stick wasn't tied up. And you know you've got one of the best guys in the league that at tipping pucks. Um, you know, they, it was a good decision. And, and, and it was more of not using a timeout and you still have your timeout, and you just change your goaltender, and, and you, you've got to change something. And um, but again, you know, I I, I look at the game; they were they, at all every time you looked up at the shot clock, it looked like it was a two to one differential. Yeah, you know, so that that just tells you that catches up. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, as a former player, did you like getting back onto the ice right away in a back to back? Yeah. Well, because. <clears throat> because you know that your coaches can't come in and rant and rave and they can't really say anything negative because you already feel shitty enough yourself. I mean, they're not happy that they lost regardless if that was, you know, one and eight. Um, so you know that that speech is probably not coming. And so you just park it 
and you move on. And, but I did, I don't know if I read it or heard it. I, I think they have some problems. Not that it's a big issue when you're in Vegas, but um, I didn't think they got out last night. I think they were supposed to to travel to LA last night after the game. And typically you do that and you get in and Correct. They you know, stay. You get, a, get a good sleep this morning and things like that. So I don't know if, you know, it, it just kind of takes a, it takes a distraction away from, you know, getting up in the morning and, you know, getting ready to go and get on a bus and you're already there. And that that's my other word that I circled last night, distraction. And I've said this before <clears throat> and, and it, and the reason I was even thinking about it, I went, I was going back to the day, and I'm sure you'll remember when um, Flurry was still in Vegas and his agent, he was having problems with, with playing time and his agent was having problems with playing time. And remember that his agent, I think it was Walsh, uh, sends out a, a tweet one day and it's got a sore going through, <laughs> through the, through the, the back of uh, Flurry yep. and his coach is on the other end of it. And I immediately thought at that time for Vegas that they were having a very good year. They have two arguably number one goaltenders and he didn't feel his client was getting, you know, the games that he felt and Flurry probably too, but Flurry is that team guy. He doesn't say anything. He goes about his business. But when that happened, I immediately thought distractions and and it's something, and that wasn't, that was middle of the season somewhere, middle to the end of the season, heading into playoffs. And now you've got that going on. You All their players know about it. They've seen it. They've talked about it. And it just becomes awkward when you, when you walk into a locker room and there's something going on with one of your teammates and, and you're rolling. And I started looking at, you know, and, and I thought Holpe was, Holpe was good, I thought, early. But then when you go back and look at it, the Marcheseau goal, the, I think that was the second one. Um, the Amadio goal, that wasn't a very good one. And I just, I, I don't know, and, and maybe this isn't, but, you know, there, what's the conversation? Everybody talks about Dallas. What's the one conversation that comes up when you're talking about Dallas right now? Go ahead, answer that question if you can. I mean, my conversation that I had, I was on the air the other day talking about it, is... And I know it might, it's probably not what you're talking about, but mine is roller coaster. Is what? Mine's roller coaster and consistency. <clears throat> okay, so here's mine. They, they've won seven games in a row, and all people want to talk about is the four goalies that are here. Yeah. And now you've got Ben, who's you know coming back. Probably, I think he's fine tonight in uh, in the American League. And so you've got the four goalie thing. It's going on. And again, I go back to the word distraction. Does uh, Braden Holtby, I told you this in our first show, I think. I, I thought Braden Holtby's been good all year long. Absolutely. I, I just think that he's battled through, he's made saves that, you know, when, when you talk about projected saves and saves that should be made and saves that shouldn't be made, I think he's made a lot of those. And he's got a calmness to him. So Ben Bishop is going down to play. So is it? Ottinger right now. So the, the goalies are Ottinger and Holtby. Yeah. I, I think we've all kind of come to a, not a conclusion, but if, if somebody's going to go and somebody has to go at some point, right. I mean, two of them probably do, but is the conclusion that, that it's going to be Ottinger is going to go back to the American league team, which I think there'd be a lot of people pissed off about that decision. Sure. Is it that Dobie's going to get traded, which I believe that's probably what's going to happen 
And does that mean that Ben is playing a game in the American League? And when he comes back, is he going to be the number one guy? And then Holtby becomes Hugh Dobin and sits on the sidelines. Not, I mean, he sits on the end of the bench. And I don't know if any of that is happening, but it's a distraction with a team that's rolling that I think that management had to know and does know that it is. And it was going to be coming soon is, is because I think for goaltenders, they have to be so focused and there cannot be any distractions. There can't be outside noise. And I, I don't know why, maybe it's because we were, the, the game was against Vegas. And I was thinking about that whole thing with flurry a couple of years uh, ago that I'm thinking there were a couple goals there last night that he didn't look sharp on, although he was under siege a lot of the night. So, and it, I don't think he's been overworked either. Um, from a standpoint of playing, I think him and Ottinger, I think they've got a good rotation going on. They they do. I, I, I mean, I would have played Ottinger a little bit more just because I think we're seeing more of Holpe and Holpe's played great, like you've said, but what did Ottinger do to get less games as well? So I think you have two goalies that are playing at very high levels, but I would have liked to seen him get now. We'll see him tonight. My fear is Craig is that, Ottinger lets up three or four tonight. Let's just say, let's hope that's not the case. And then it's like they use that as a tool to, hey, he needs to go down and get more work because the reality is, is they're up against the cap. Can't do anything with Hudobin. If Bishop is truly ready to get back, which we'll see after a few games in the American Hockey League, then I think that's the only move unless you trade Hudobin and then you healthy scratch one of them. And... You know, with Hudobin's modified no-trade clause, you do have a select number of teams that you can deal him to. At the same time, if I'm a team, if you're a general manager, Craig, and Jim Nill calls you and says, hey, do you want some goalie help in Anton Hudobin? My response would be, yes, sure. I have the cap, so I'll give you cap relief, but you're trading me a player that's not currently playing. So fourth round pick fifth round pick well that i mean i think that's ultimately what's going to happen yeah but but again we're talking about this for four or five minutes now yeah no you're right it is a distraction and don't don't think that there aren't four goalies in dallas right now wondering what's going to happen whether it's in the front of their mind the back of their mind way way in the back of their mind what's going to happen and because it for me, it's a distraction, especially when you have a team that's getting their game together. And that's the last thing you want are distractions. And then again, it's we're not at the 65 game mark. Okay. So it's it it I don't mean to make a big deal out of this. And I don't I doubt if that was it, but but any time that you have to think about and it happens all the time with players. When when the player gets called up, when you when you hear about it after practice and a player's getting called up and it's a position that you play. And if your team is, you know, kind of moving along and you're not, you know, you're not lighting the league on fire and, um, but you're wondering, not everybody, the guys that are making six, seven, eight, nine million, they're not wondering. And that's four players, but that just means there's 16 or 17 players that are wondering to me, those are distractions. And, and they're, they're, I mean, they're justified and they're needed at times. I mean, players got to come and you're not doing your job, then, then that's what happens. But I just hope that that there's good conversation going on and keeping people up to date because, and you're right. I mean, if there's a guy that's going to go, I mean, if I'm Edmonton, I'm, I'm making calls. Hey, you guys got four goalies there. 
I mean, mm-hmm. Edmonton has a really good team. And I just think a weak spot for them is maybe a little bit of depth up front, but they're goaltending. I don't, they don't know if Smitty's going to be back and he was supposed to be back three weeks ago and he's still not back. And Koskinen, the goalie that they have, they don't think he can play as many games as he's playing. And so they have to outscore, you know, their goaltending at times. So, but then again, if, if you're Jim, you're going, okay, wait now. We've had this goalie that took us to the finals and he's an unbelievable teammate. And he's even in games that he's lost, he's played excellent. Um, do I want to be trading it to a team that I may possibly have to go through to get, you know, to the finals again at some point in the playoffs? That would be a concern of mine. So, you know, I, it's okay for me if you got to make a move to make a move and, and you know, get things right, move them to the other conference, <laughs> unless you're a team that's not going to make playoffs. But if you're a team that, you know, you're, you're, you have hopes of not only making the playoffs, but getting there. But, but I will say this, that I think that it's going to, it's going to tighten up. Like we talked about this a few weeks ago, the two teams that we expect to be in playoff positions are getting their, their, their groove to get on right now. So Colorado is, is starting to come around um, and Vegas and Vegas got another guy that, that isn't playing right now. And it'll be interesting to see what Eichel's like when he comes back. Yeah. There's another piece that they can add there too. So, and then when you look, if you want to look at the standings, I, I do not think that Nashville is going to be in that wild card spot. I, I look at it and I look at Winnipeg for whatever reason, Winnipeg seems to concern me a little bit more. Um, so I truly think that five teams can make the playoffs out, out of the central division this year. I think that would be great. And I'm with you. I am. I love Paul Maurice as a coach. I love their system and they all, they're always there despite losing players and, 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 you know, I thought they made some really nice off-season signings as well. So I expect Winnipeg to be in the mix as well. So on to the L.A. Kings. You know, one of the fascinating matchups tonight that might not necessarily, you know, going in, you think of the L.A. Kings, what a stat that might not jump out is the effectiveness both teams have had on the, in the face-off circle this year. Uh, L.A. is, in fact, number one in the league in face-off draws. That's Anse Kopitar. And Dallas is pretty close behind in sixth place. So, you know, it's going to be one on the face-off dot tonight. So that'll be great. And we need to talk about Anse Kopitar as a player. What a season he is having. I mean, this guy, it just, it's it's very similar to Patrice Bergeron where you say, when are those legs going to slow down? When is that skill set going to slow down? It's just so impressive, Craig, what he has been able to do year after year on, you know, I mean, candidly, they had a good run, won a couple of cups, but I mean, over the years, not some of the greatest LA King, you know, on top of the franchise in the NHL. Well, I, I look at Kopitar and and immediately the first word that comes to me is consistent. Uh, He has just been a consistent player year after year after year. And I think that he would probably be more of a household name if he didn't play on the West coast and, you know, th- their games are starting sometimes at nine, 10 o'clock, uh, you know, here and then imagine out East. <clears throat> and I don't think he probably gets the ink that he should, but the one thing that I will say, I've got to give a, a ton of credit to Kopitar this year, especially um, to management. 
And the reason I say that is because when you talk about the face-off circle and you took, talk about his points, he is not going up against number one centers on the other side. He's not playing against top lines like he has in the past. They're freeing him, him up a little bit, and it's because of a move that, that they made to get Philip Deneau. Uh, Deneau, who came over from Montreal, has been the difference on that team. So he takes the pressure off of all of the D-zone face-offs that Kopitar has had to take in the past. He's, he's been their guy for years. He, he's kind of like Bo Horvat of the Vancouver Canucks, who, you know, we, we know that's a bit of a, a train wreck so far. There, it seems like Boudreaux, the new coach, is you know, 2-0 there. But I looked the other day, Horvat leads the, the NHL in offensive zone face-offs taken, neutral zone face-offs taken, and D-zone face-offs taken. That, to me, is what Kopitar has done. The only spot they haven't had to really use him a lot is in the offense or in the neutral zone, because that's not as important. Offensive zone, he needs to win a draw, get us some offense. Let's, you know, get a chance to score a goal. These D zone, we don't want them starting with a puck. So Deneau is taking a lot of the work away from Kopitar, especially in D zone, because that's where he kind of came into play, you know, and, and Kopitar is 34 years old. Yeah, I know. So, you know, <clears throat> all the credit to him and you're right. I mean, he is just a consistent, big, strong, uh, who wouldn't want, Kopitar kind of player so I think what they did is they recognized we have been leaning on this guy and and we're wearing him down we're needlessly wearing him down and we have to get him some help and so what they did is they addressed it great move and went and got Deneau and uh, Deneau is one of the unsung heroes of Montreal the year that they went you know last year when they go to the finals because he was doing all of that heavy lifting uh, face-offs and, and and playing against top lines and so that frees Kopitar up a little bit. And we'll see. And you're right. It will be a, a, a real good matchup tonight. And, and I think that, you know, <clears throat> Jamie's probably going to have a workload. I mean, again, I, 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 really, I really like Jamie Benn in the faceoff circle. And, and I think he's hard to win faceoffs against Tyler. Tyler's go-to move, if anybody ever notices, there's all different ways to take faceoffs. But Tyler's move is to use his foot. He gets his footy turns and he blocks a stick coming through from the opposing center and, and wins faceoffs. It hasn't worked great of late. And speaking of Tyler, I, I, I caught this this morning and it probably means nothing, but now I was just talking earlier about, you know, the guys that were on the ice at the end of the game, when you're, you know, looking for that last tying goal. Um, Tyler made a comment and he was talking about uh, somebody had asked him about a goal that he missed or a shot that he missed, but he said, my last shift, I just shot it a little wide. My last shift, basically saying <laughs> I didn't get out there when it was six on five. Yeah. That's the way I took it. Maybe he didn't even mean it like that, but, but, the, but some reporter asked him about the, the shot that he missed and he could have easily just said, I, I missed it a little wide, but he said, my last shift, I missed it wide. You, get, you kind of threw that in there. Yeah. So. <clears throat> but what all that does is it proves to the, the competitiveness of, of any player, and especially Tyler, a guy that in his whole career has been there, down a goal, up a goal, you know, killing penalties, taking key face-offs. At the end of the game, when you need a goal, you know, those areas. And, and we talked about this last week, I think, too. Like, Tyler scored two goals now since, since our last podcast. And, and we talked about this thing, and he, you know, and I've said this about Tyler before, when, 
when you're having a hard time scoring goals, we got you got to start getting to the net. Tyler's first goal that he scored last week, it went off of the skate and went in. Where was he? He was standing in the crease when it went in. I, or actually, it went off his leg. Last night, off face off, I think it was, scrubbing around the net. He goes to the front of the net. So he hasn't shot either puck into the net. This one just came down. He went, he drove to the net. He was in the crease, hits the stick and goes in. So I, I think that sometimes I, I look at those kind of players that need confidence and he's gotten confidence. I think he's had, he, there's a bit, a little bit more jump in his step. And, and I think that, you know, Hey, I scored two games straight. You know, I, I want to be out there at the end of the game. That's the way I'd look at that. Just kind of knowing how, you know, some of these guys think and, when it takes them a while to get get going in the direction they want to then when they get going in the direction they want to I think he could have under I, I don't think he would have said that three weeks ago my last shift yeah. I'm not trying to start I'm not I'm not no, starting I, anything here I'm just trying to re, you know again you just kind of read between lines it was just an odd ad ad word that was added in there for me yeah and as I mentioned last week too Craig and you agreed like I'm not saying he's the best defensive forward in the league but it's awesome to see, and I think what you mentioned is this goes back to Hitch, is Tyler Sagan, when he was with the Bruins, wasn't, you know, almost was a defensive liability at times, and he learned over the years to play, you know, better defense as a forward, and he's become a much better defensive forward. So, you know, I'll use the example of Mike Hoffman, where it's a guy that's out there to score goals, but, you know, kind of just drifts around the ice. And that's one of the reasons he's been with so many teams. You know, I mean, the effort's there for Sagan. Like, I would never knock the effort for Sagan. I know he wants to score. I know he wants to be out there. The question, I think, that will just build over the years if this continues is, you know how it is nowadays, Craig, with the salary cap and, you know, it's right in front of you, you say, is he worth nine point five million? Is that an albatross of a contract? Yeah, but you know what? And you're you're hundred percent right. But we could go to I could give you a list of players when they get to the last two, three years of their career, they're not worth the money they're paying them. Yeah, Dowdy might be one it's, of them tonight. It's the cost of doing business. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know, they they want term and you know, and so they get term. I mean, it's the way that to, if you don't give them eight years you know, at nine, you've got to give them six years at 11. And that throws your whole cap off for, you know, during that time period. And you're like, well, hell, I can't, I can't pay two other players that we want because, you know, here's where it is. But if we lengthen it out, we can drop it by a couple million. And, and so I, every GM knows that. I mean, it's the hardest thing I think a GM has to do is manage a salary cap in today's game. So, but, you know, to me, that's the competitiveness coming out in Tyler. That that's hearing. Again, I, I don't even know if that's what it was, but it's just saying I want to be out there. <laughs> you know, I want to be out there at all times. I want to be out there at all the big times of a game. I want to have something to do with the outcome of a game in a positive way. So, and and I look at it, and and again, what the one thing you will notice with Tyler, he doesn't. To me, when Tyler first came to Dallas there was a separation speed that he had. He could separate himself from a defenseman. There was a race for a puck. Tyler was going to be, you know, he, he would have the edge. I don't see that as much now, the, the separate. And again, that, that I don't believe is because of his age. I believe that that has to do with, you know, injuries. And 
it's not want, it's not will, because that's that's there. That that's just in Tyler. But there's things that a lot of players can't do is they but again, Tyler's not Topadar at 34. Is Tyler 30 yet? I don't think he's 30 yet. Is he? No. I think he's 20. Uh, he might be right at that age. I'll look it up. Yeah, I think he's 29 years old. So he he's not, you know, and again, I just think that, you know, you, you get some certain injuries. There were, you know, and look at look at how Rupe came back after having, a, I think he had something, a tendon or something tore off his groin. And after surgeries last year, he could only play other, every other game. And look at how we, he recovered. People say, well, shit. yeah, well, he's only 24. Yeah, you know, that's true. 30 next month. So you're right on. Yeah. So, you know, and again, it's weird because it's changed since obviously a lot of things have changed since, since I've played, but the prime, you know, the, the prime for players now is 23 years old. Like what, what, like you, you, a lot of guys never even got in the league until they were 23. They played two, three years in the minors and, yeah. you know, so they, they get their first kick at the can at 23, 24 years old. Yeah. Well, now they're saying that their prime is somewhere between 23 and 26, 27. And you start and analytically, your numbers start to decline when you when you become 28. And right. I again, I keep saying I'm not into analytics. It's just some things you can't you can't argue with because it's happening all over. Your your numbers start going down. So you get back to the length of contracts. You know, so yeah, you know, I, I think as a general manager, you got to do your best and don't be don't be paying guys all the big dollars after 33, 34 years old. But, or four goalies. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't. Uh, there's nothing I can say there. No, no, I get yeah. it. From a from a former player's perspective, uh, two things around the NHL I wanted to get to. Um, for those that are listening, who don't know what a slew foot is, explain and how how does it feel when it happens to you? Well, you're 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 helpless because basically what happens is you're coming up from behind a player who's a foot or so in front of you. And that, I don't mean to use the word foot, but uh, sorry, but uh, so you're coming up from behind a player. He's got the puck. He's probably got his head down. He's in some traffic. And sometimes he's not. Unfortunately, sometimes it seems to be closer to the board, but you're not really even, even with them. You're a little bit behind them and you take your arm. That's on the same side as the player. And you put your reach, you stretch it out and you put your arm, your forearm, the back of your forearm, uh, your, your, um, your elbow in front of him, you know, obviously you'd like to get it on his chest. You get it on his chest and you kind of pull him backwards. And at the same time, you take the leg that's on the same side and you put it behind his heels. And we've all, we've all done the whole prank in school where you're talking to a kid and one of your buddies comes up and he kneels down behind the kid and he's kneeling down and you're talking to the kid and your buddies kneeled down right behind him and you give him a push and he falls over backwards. Everybody laughs about it. Well, that's what it is. It's the same thing, and you're moving. And a lot of times, it seems like it's happening as you're. I don't know why, but a lot of times it's when you're close to the boards. And if you and on skates, if if you start to fall, you try to do everything you can. And a lot of times, your toe will dig in. And if you can, if your toe digs in, you you toe pick, and you're going backwards. A lot of times, it's a knee that gets blown out. In that scenario. And the other thing that happens is guys will come down, they land on their upper part of their back. And what's the first thing to hit the ice after your back does the back of your head. Yeah. And, and, so and I bring that up because PK Subban 
Oh, he's a king of it. He's four four times now this year. Four times. Hockey Night in Canada had it as five times. But at some point, I mean, we all know the ability of P.K. Subban as a, you know, skater. Still, you know, not as fast as he once was. But, I mean, his skill set is large. So, you know, if you do it multiple times, it has to be purposeful at some point. Correct? And if that's the case, why? Or even if it's not purposeful, doesn't the NHL have to step in at some point and say, this continues to happen, and here's the trend. If it happens again, we're going to find you this time, but if it happens again, you're gone for a game or two. Well, I, wasn't it Brad Marchant that just came off of a three-game suspension for it? Yeah. And and he's been suspended six sure. times. So, and yeah, I, I will say, I will go out on a limb and say the next time it happens with PK, he will be suspended or at least fined. It'll start somewhere. But in his defense, in a way, and I really don't like defending him, um, he has a very wide base that he skates around with. And I think he he's not as fast as he used to be. And so guys will get ahead of him. And as a defender, it's your job not to let people get ahead of you. And so you try to do whatever you can to slow him down. And again, obviously within the rules and, but with a wide base, you're, you're, and a lot of times you have a wide base because the players that you're going up against are quicker than you. And you want to kind of take up space. And if he wants to turn this way, he may catch my leg. My leg might get on the back of his leg and I can slow him down a little bit. And so, because if PK just kind of skates up to him and he doesn't have that wide base and he's, let's say the opposing players off to my right. And he just kind of quick, he won't turn into me, but if he turns away from me, I'm probably, and he kind of does a 360 or even a 180, I'm probably going to lose him because I'm not as quick as I, I normally am. So your base kind of takes up as much space and, and tries to get as much body part against body part as you're trying to defend. And then as he gets a little bit ahead of you and you feel like you're, you're losing him a little bit, you reach out and you, and, and again, when it's on that side, you can't reach across with your opposite hand and grab them because that becomes even more obvious and that's a holding penalty. So you just try to get your arm in front of them to slow them down. And so a lot of times they do it to themselves. They may try to stop a little bit and your foot is your base. Your foot is already out there. And, but again, it's no excuse. And, and he has to know that he's living on borrowed time when it comes to the league. And maybe, maybe, and I, I don't know if we get, um, or players get updated or get a call that that isn't public and say, listen, dude, you're, you're getting really close to crossing the line. And you would think after, not after four, I'm thinking after two of them, you know, and it's borderline and it's there. Like I would, if I were part of that, that group, um, I would be reaching out and saying, listen, you had one, the second one, no, maybe we can't technically say it was a slew foot but it's pretty damn close and then you get the third and that's your warning and then your third one and then your fourth one I thought he only had four he could have the fifth one and now I would have to say from now to the end of his career especially because Marchand got another got got the same you know three games I think it was three games he got for it that you're next and there there will be no forgiveness this time regardless even if it doesn't even look like a slew foot they're going to give you something because you've gotten too many free passes. That's what I think is going to happen. In rooms that play P.K. Subban, will it be talked about since the league has not 
given him any disciplinary action, whether it's a fine or a suspension. If you're in that room, are you talking as a team? Is it being mentioned? If he goes out and gives one of our players a slew foot, the NHL, since they're not stepping in, we're going to step in. Well, that that's where I, I don't really care to defend PK so much because I don't think he would care what what the, what his teammates would say. And there, there's a reason you have a defenseman that, even though it was a shortened season, you know, he, he won a Norris Trophy, and you know he he was in he was a really 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 good player in his prime. But there's a reason he's moved from team to yeah. team. And it and, and I'm you know just through the grapevine, it, it's he's sometimes he's not a very good teammate, and and so I don't he's that. But the, the thing about PK is I believe that he's he's not going to care what his teammates say. That's the way I believe. I think there were times on other parts of his game during the year, and a lot of times he he would be known for cheap shotting guys and and not sticking around to answer what he did. Yeah, somebody else would always have to step in. So. Um, but I, I mentioned I mentioned the opposition. If you're on the opposition, are you? I, I know you have to prepare for the game and everything like that. But you know, does it make its way into the opposing locker room? Like, oh, if this happens to does. you, yeah, I'm of course it does. Him. But you're always on the but you're always on the side of. And he's the kind of guy that if you're gonna because what are you gonna do to him? I mean, yeah. besides try to fight him. And if he's not gonna fight, then you take the two minutes for instigating. Right. And now he wins that too. So that that's where, you know, sometimes you call a guy up. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> you, know, you call somebody disposable up. <laughs> okay. You know? the, the other one that I was fascinated about last night, uh, last Saturday night was Marcus Felino and Wade Simmons getting into it. It was Toronto versus Minnesota. Heck of a game. Toronto with a huge comeback. Just a, just a lot of fun to watch. Two of the better teams in the NHL right now. And Marcus Foligno of the wild skated off the ice, but remained not necessarily on the bench. He was kind of leaning, watching whistle blows comes back on the ice. And there was some, a lot of question on whether that was deemed player had left the ice and turns out he was okay. But you know, uh, Two questions on that. What did you think of that? And as a player, how hard was it to not come off the bench when you saw something happening? Well, because the last guy that came off the bench was a Toronto player, and he got 10-game suspension in the preseason. So, <laughs> you know, it's more about the pocketbook. And <clears throat> But I, I will say this. Anything you want to talk about with the Wild, the way that that team – is going right now everything that they're doing whether it's and i i don't look at that as coming off the bench i don't look at that as he left the game right there's a lot of time players you don't and you couldn't prove it you may take a shot and what you got to do is you just walk it off for a second yeah you walk that way you walk this way it may look like i'm leaving but i'm not leaving kind of thing um that that shows the chemistry of the minnesota wild and it shows exactly why they are where they are in the standings, what they've done, the, the way that they've played. Billy Guerin has turned that team, and he actually said it in his press conference, uh, that they weren't going to be boring anymore. They're an exciting team to watch. Dino, Dean Evanson, former Dallas Star and Hartford Whaler, uh, Dino knows those players inside and out. Um, 
so I, I love, but, but again, what that says in the room after the game, at the time it happens is it's all for one, one for all. Yeah. That's and, a and fun team to watch right and, now. You know, his, yeah. I mean, his brother's like that, you know, so they're those, that's the kind of family those guys are and they're, they're player first teammate first kind of guys. And if there's a, you know, there's something going on, we're going to stick around. And I think if, out of all of that, that game in particular, it's, there's a bigger statement being made by Toronto. I mean, Toronto for years has been a team that wins in the regular season and just kind of gets pushed out of the playoffs. Right. And I think it's a reason they brought Simmons in to start with um, not this year, but what was it a year ago or yeah. so, um, but because they don't have that, they don't have that identity of a team that stands up against the other stuff. Yeah. And, and they get pushed out of the playoffs. So, you know, I, I give credit to Toronto. And I think what they've done is they've tried to bring in a couple more players that because they're, everybody's talking about it. Toronto's going to be in the playoffs and Toronto could, Toronto could finish first overall. They could finish in the top four or five in the league. But when playoff time comes around, you know, they were up three games to one against Montreal and, and got knocked out in the first round again. Yeah. So, you know, th they're trying to establish more of their identity now. And this is who we are. And we're going to be a little bit more tougher to play against. And I love a guy like Wayne Simmons, like you said, that, you know, provides that toughness, but also, you know, in that game can be jump from being a fourth line skater to jumping up to the first line. And, I think and, he's always been like that. I mean, yeah. he, he's more known for, you know, when he was in Philly and that's kind of been Philly's image that they loved there in Philly for years and years and years. And that was one of the reasons Simmons came over. I think they expected him to be a little bit more, uh, could could play a little bit more and, and again he he'd been around me that that's a guy that's a guy very similar in my opinion to like a Brendan Morrow mm -hmm. you know Brendan to me whatever game number of games Brendan played in his career whether it's four or five six hundred I'm not even sure add a couple hundred more on because of the way that Brendan played yeah Brendan, I, th I think another you know, guy Kyle, Kyle, kind of Kyle looks uh, a pozo like yeah, well, Opozo, yeah, Brendan was in the middle of more things than, than Opozo yeah. was in his career. And Brendan, you know, Brendan fought pound for pound. I don't know there was a tougher guy than Brendan Morrow when it got into a fight. And everybody in the league knew it. But Brendan would step in for anybody against anybody at any time. And he played like a little bulldozer out there. And, and he's not Darian Hatcher's size. You know, so he played he played a game that a six foot two, six foot three, 215 pound guy plays on both ends. And he, and he paid the price. Like we've talked about Brendan before about where he scored his goals. If Brendan Morrow scored 400 goals in the league, 365 have come within a foot of the goaltender. And he took abuse at the time yeah. to score those goals, you know, so he, he's taken abuse and he, and he's just moved on and played with it. And I, I, I think Brendan is, is a player for the Dallas stars that needs to be remembered. And when it comes to all time players that are played here, because he was that guy, wasn't a rah-rah guy, wore the C and it wasn't about things that he said. It was about the way that he played. I'm okay Very with number 10 going up like in the rafters. I really am. I mean, just that, I, just that it, scene it, of him preserved. going over, was it, it was the Blackhawks, right? Where he went over to the bench and challenged them all. Yep. yep. You know, I mean, I just, I, and I understand that, Certain teams like to just retire those numbers of players that go in the Hall of Fame because you can't retire everybody. But, you know, you have those players over the years that are like heart and soul guys that, you know, the other players around him might not be as good because, you know, he's the guy that took the brunt of the punishment. He's the guy that scored the big goal. 
you know, he's the guy that challenged the other team. He's the guy that exerted his physicality when the energy might be down that night. So, you know, just well, those players heroes. that he played with, they were better players because he was on the ice with them because their balls got a little bit bigger when Brendan was there, mm-hmm. you know, very similar to guys like Darian Hatcher. Yeah, absolutely. Ask, yep. ask, ask Richard Matvichuk about that. Yeah. You know, so good point, you know, because there, there's, you know that it, let's say he was playing with Louis Erickson. And if Louis ever got run up against the wall, Louis, you know, congratulates Louis hit a thousand games against the stars. Yep. But if Louis ever got run and Brendan was on his line, they, they didn't have, Louis didn't have to run worry about it. He, right. he didn't have to worry about having to answer for something because Brennan would have arrived before anything even happened to Louis. And it wouldn't have mattered if it was Louis or, or if it was a Darian Hatcher, Brennan would still be the first guy to stick his nose in there. And finally, Craig, my birthday's on Tuesday. What time are we going out? Where are we going? Well, if we went out and I met you at 2, you'd be leaving by 2.15, and it takes me longer to get there than that. (laughs) So, you know, if you're going to commit to staying more than, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. Sure. Yeah. You only turn 50 once, my friend. I don't know. I'm close to do hitting that number twice. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll hit the town, or you'll hit the town, and I'll just follow behind. Yeah. Or maybe I could be your designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> what about when all the people come over to get autographs from you? I could be the guy that hands you the pucks. <laughs> Okay, Spike. <laughs> you can you can be whoever. It's your birthday. All you right. can be whoever you want to be. No, let's get just a bunch don't. of the guys. You know, it'll be great. It'll be fun. Okay, just don't don't just don't wear that skirt and those high stockings you wore the last time. You came <laughs> I understand. I understand. It was a work night, but I understand. Uh huh. You've been listening to Spits and Suds. He's the always great Craig Ludwig, two-time Stanley Cup winner. Uh, And we will talk to you next week with another edition, hopefully after some Stars wins tonight against L.A. and then over the weekend against San Jose. We'll see what happens, but you know we'll be talking about it next week right here on The Fan. Have a great week, everyone.